Welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. All this week we'll be featuring sermons from the recent Bible conference in El Paso, Texas, pastored by Paul Stevens. We pray these sermons are a blessing to you, and we're sure they will be. We'll return to our normal schedule next week. God bless. Judges chapter 17, if you have your Bible with you. Um, I know I said this Wednesday night, but I just want to say it again, how much I appreciate Pastor Stevens, uh, Sister Renee, amen, their hospitality, all that they do for us, amen. What a blessing to be able to minister here. Let's see if I can get this. Okay. Glory to God. I have a Freddie Lozano story. Freddie Lozano gave me a ride to the airport after revival once, and uh, he wanted to show me the old school that he went to. And so uh, he accidentally passed a stop sign where there was a cop parked. And uh, the lights go on, and he's like, he looks at me, he says, oh, no, pastor. I said, it's just, just a police officer. He says, no, I don't have a driver's license. I don't have insurance. <laughs> I'm like... Houston, we got a problem. I won't tell you the rest of the story, amen. Amen. Uh, most of us have heard of um, uh, Billy Graham. Uh, I brought the wrong iPad. Okay. Uh, most of us have heard about Billy Graham um, impacted the world. Me and my, uh, my wife, we got to go and see him at the Alamo Dome there in San Antonio, um, packed house. I mean, he was very soft-spoken, nothing really uh, that, uh, you know, was charismatic about him. Uh, very simple preaching, but at the end, he pulls an altar call, and literally the entire stadium went down uh, to get saved, uh, probably over 50,000 50, people. And so we know that, uh, you know, they tell us that he reached 215 million people. And so in the early 1940s, Billy Graham was a, a young evangelist. Uh, he had just graduated from Whedon College. And there was a wealthy uh, businessman that, uh, you know, wanted to hire him to become the pastor at his church. And what he did is he offered him $50,000 a year. Now, this was obviously a lot of money back then. And Billy Graham turned this down. He, in his book, says that, uh, you know, this had tempted him in many ways, you know, because he was, you know, still had a young family, uh, young career uh, in, the, in the ministry. And so young ministry, I mean, and, uh, and so this tempted him, but he, he decided not to take it. And so uh, the story goes that because of this, he ended up having the kind of impact that he had. Graham was Initially tempted, it says, in the end, Graham's decision to turn down the offer proved to be a wise one. He went on to become one of the most influential evangelists of the 20th century, preaching to millions of people around the world and leading countless souls to Christ. His decision also helped to establish him as a man of integrity and principle, willing to follow God's call even when it meant turning down a lucrative opportunity. We are about to read about a Levite in Judges 17 who would only stick around long enough uh, until something better came along. We're going to read Judges 17. I'm going to read quite a bit, and so bear with me. I'm going to preach a sermon I've entitled, Not for Sale. Judges 17, 1, it says, Now there was a man from the mountains of Ephraim whose name was Micah, 
And he said to his mother, the 1100 shekels of silver that were taken from you and on which you put a curse even saying it in my ears, here is the silver with me. I took it. And his mother said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my son. Now, you know, this mother was a Mexican mom, right? This, her son just stole from him and he brings it back and she's like, oh, you're such a good boy, right? <laughs> Verse three, so when he had returned the 1100 shekels of silver to his mother, he, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a carved image and a molded image. Now, therefore, I will return it to you. Thus he returned the silver to his mother. Then his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the silversmith. And he made it into a carved image and a molded image. And they were in the house of Micah. The man consecrated one of his sons. Uh, let me see, sorry. Uh, they were in the house of Micah. The man Micah had a shrine and made an ephod and household idols, and he consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now there was a young man from Bethlehem in Judah, of the family of Judah. He was a Levite and was staying there. The man departed from the city of Bethlehem and in Judah to stay wherever he could find a place. Then he came to the mountains of Ephraim, to the house of Micah as he journeyed. And Micah said to him, where do you come from? So he said to him, I am a Levite. Keep in mind that he is a priest from Bethlehem in Judah. And I am on my way to find a place to stay. Micah said to him, dwell with me and be a father and a priest to me. And I will give you 10 shekels of silver per year and a suit of clothes and your sustenance. So the Levite went in. Then the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man became like one of his son, uh, one of the son, one of his sons to him. So Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest uh, and lived in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, "Now I know that the Lord will be good to me, since I have a Levite as a priest." Now a little context here before I read the rest of it. Um, uh, the people of Dan had come along. They're, they're coming along to Micah's house, right? They, they were supposed to have driven out the Amorites, uh, but the Amorites were too difficult to drive out. So what they did uh, instead, they went to go and look for a people that were a little uh, less uh, difficult. Um, and as they get to Micah's house, um, this Levite, this priest, points them in a the direction um, of people that are easy to overcome. And then they end up taking also the priest uh, and everything else in Micah's house. Listen to Judges 18, 18. When these went into, this is Dan's uh, uh, tribe. When these went into Micah's house, and took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image. The priest said to them, what are you doing? And they said to him, be quiet, put your hand over your mouth, and come with us. Be a father and a priest to us. Is it better for you to be a priest to the household of one man, or that you be a priest to a tribe and a family in Israel? So the priest's heart was glad. And he took the ephod, the household idols, and the carved image, uh, and took his place among the people. He took the offer. Sermon I've entitled, Not for Sale. Let's look at how, first of all, God is enough. You know, MasterCard, 
uh, has marketed their business with the slogan, some things money can't buy, for everything else, there's MasterCard. You know, this Levite was from Judah. The laws of Moses would have required uh, uh, Judah to take care of him. In other words, he already had a place to stay. He already had ministry. And uh, he already had provision for his life. But this Levite, uh, he wanted more. Right? He, so he sets off to find more. And it doesn't take, it doesn't take him long to find a, a better offer. Didn't take him long uh, to, uh, for someone to offer him something better than what he already had uh, uh, doing God's will in Judah. And we see that this young man wasn't really interested in what, should, in what he should be doing for God. But rather, uh, he wanted to make his life better or easier, if you would. And sadly, beloved, this is the message of today's Christianity. People serve God for the benefits. To bring good luck. Right to find a, a favor, um, and uh, people today serve God for what He can do for them instead of for what He instead of what we can do for for God. Verse thirteen. Then Micah said, "Now I know that the Lord will be good to me, since I have a Levite as a priest." Again, I have a message for you this morning. Serving God is not about what you can get out of God. Serving God is about what God can get out of you. It's getting harder and harder in this generation to get people that are willing to pay a price. To leave their comfort zones, to pick up their cross and follow Christ, to be different, to be set apart from this world and especially from this religious world. Like the Levite, people today are looking for easier routes with more benefits. It used to be that people came to church to get saved. Right to repent and uh, and then begin to serve God and figure out how you could be used. Now they look for churches uh, with better programs, better song services, and lesser standards. How can I come here and keep fornicating? Um, how what you know? Where is there a church where I can drink um, and uh, and still follow God? William Booth said the chief danger that confronts. Confronts the coming century will be a religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, and politics without God, um, heaven without hell. You know, one of the major things that has set our fellowship apart from the rest of the religious world is the standards that we've been willing to uphold. This is... One of the things that attracted me to our fellowship, I was already saved for a year, a little over a year when I came to the door. I went to a church there in San Antonio that had 2,500 people, no standards. Every man did uh, what was right in his own eyes. The, the, the song service leader was the pastor's son. He smoked weed. I was picking up my daughter once from school, and he asked me if I wanted to smoke a joint. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. When I came into the fellowship, um, I was attracted to the structure. I was attracted to the standards. People that were willing to serve under any, condi uh, under any conditions. We didn't care how late we stayed in church, and we didn't care how early we had to be there. We wore it as a, as a badge of honor. See, where are the men and women that are willing to fight for everything that our forefathers have built in our fellowship. Where are the Naboths of today? 
those that are willing to stand up to the world and say, my convictions are not for sale. Those that are willing to raise the bar instead of figuring out ways to lower it. 1 Kings 21.3, but Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. I have to be honest with you this morning. I'm getting very nervous with this generation and how easily they are willing to sell out. I heard of a pastor who said, I'm not going to be a poor preacher. And so, you know, he set up some safety nets for him. Never let go of his job. Wanted to make sure if this doesn't work out. Listen, when we got into ministry, we didn't do it for the money. One of my favorite stories is Pastor Campbell's story where he said he was offered to take a church for $25 a week and he lived in the basement. And he said, man, what they didn't know is I would have done it for free. Listen, today's pioneers have lost their minds. New cars, big houses, brand new clothes. You're never, ever going to be full-time living like that. When you got sent out, the goal was to get off support as quick as you could, then to become full-time, then to launch churches. See, today we have pastors that are building careers not going full-time, they're bypassing that, and they're uh, staying with their jobs and launching churches. It's like, now we're still doing what the fellowship does. You know, I go to a lot of conferences a year, probably 11. And what I'm noticing is that overseas churches are launching more churches in conferences in the States than state churches are. I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that they gave up their careers to do the will of God. See, there's a danger in serving God like this Levite, waiting for a better offer to come around. Not only that, but it's very unsettling how quick this Levite was able to adjust to Micah and his idolatry. He had no problem, man, adjusting to this new lifestyle. Our fellowship is different. And it's very unique compared to the rest of the religious world. And we believe as a conviction that that is our calling, that we are called to be different. Again, we hold that with the badge of honor. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Paul said, Therefore, come out from, from them and separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know, they say that the secret to Billy Graham's ministry was his integrity, that he never wavered. He was a man of prayer. He was a man of discipline. And he was a man of moral integrity. You couldn't bribe him with money, with positions, with jobs. Pastor Ruby set it up uh, 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 incredibly in his offering. Um, you couldn't pay him to sit down. They say this was his secret sauce. That he didn't care. Listen, he could have made incredible money in the world. You're kidding yourself. If you say you're called to preach and making all these kinds of money, you're kidding yourself if you think later on you're going to be able to say no to that money. And you know what? No, you know what you're going to say? You're going to say, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm not called to preach. Maybe it was just hype. Maybe I could be a pillar in the church and be a blessing and launch, 
participate in launching. If that's what you're called to do, that's great. But if you're called to preach, it's not good. Laurie said, uh, the roots of Graham's commitment to integrity go back to the 1940s when he and other, minist uh, other ministry leaders met in Modesto, California, laid out a plan to avoid financial abuse, sexual immorality, and any inaccurate reporting about the success of his ministry. This man had incredible influence. Uh, Billy Graham, Vice President Mike Pence, uh, is, uh, of course, uh, you know, a prominent leader who who says Graham's rules inspired him. In 2002, he told The Hill that he doesn't eat alone with another woman and he doesn't attend any kind of meetings where there's alcohol without his wife. See, this type of integrity was missing in the Levite in our story. And as a result, he sold out and was constantly looking for a better offer. Listen to me. God has to be enough. You're never going to be satisfied. Like this Levite, you will never be content with where God has you. You're always going to look for better, easier. And you have to make up your mind today that your calling is not for sale. Let's look at, secondly, till a better offer comes. Verse 19 and 20, and they said to him, be quiet. Put your hand over your mouth and come with us. Be a father and a priest to us. Is it better to you to be a priest to the household of one man or that you be a priest to a tribe and a family of Israel? So the priest's heart was glad and he took the ephod, the household idols, the carved image uh, and took his place among the people. You know, many people are just like this Levite. They're constantly moving from place to place, calling to calling. Jumping from one relationship to another, one job to another, one church to another. People today are unsettled, they're restless, they're unhappy. We have more stuff than any other generation before us, and yet we are the most depressed and unhappy generation. So let's look at a few reasons this Levite kept taking better offers. Number one is the obvious, he was discontent. Like I said, he leaves Judah for a better offer. Then he leaves Micah for a better offer. And there's a similarity that you will find in discontent people. Number one is their destination is always more important than their journey. Therefore, they don't enjoy the journey. They don't enjoy the process. We recently uh, redid our floors there in our building for the concert hall. And I didn't know this, but it was an eight-step process before you can get the product that we were looking for. And, uh, and so I walked in, you know, it's eight different pads that you have to put on this buffer machine. And I walked in and he was, uh, the guy that was doing it was like in his fifth uh, pad. And he said, Pastor, there's a, I said, what are you doing? He says, there's a process to this before we get to the finished product. And I said, that's exactly what discipleship and calling is like. There's a, there's a process before you get to the finished product product see people like this worry so much about completion that they sacrifice any sort of enjoyment you know can I say to you if you are young enjoy your youth enjoy living for free <laughs> being an adult is hard if you are a parent enjoy your children spend some time with them build a relationships with them 
enjoy your discipleship if you are a disciple. Listen, if you're being discipled by Pastor Stevens, Pastor Warner, or Pastor Greg Mitchell, man, I hope you're taking notes. Because one day you're going to wish you did. I hope you're not taking this time for granted. Learn to appreciate and enjoy your life uh, and your journey. The second reason people are discontent uh, is because they forget why they are doing what they're doing. We got saved because we were miserable in the world. We got married because we were tired of being alone. (laughs) We joined the ministry because we wanted uh, to be used and uh, we wanted to reach souls. We forget why. We are doing what we do sometimes. The third reason you're discontent is because you're constantly comparing yourself to others. Betty uh, Jemmy Chung said, comparison with myself brings improvement. Comparison with others brings discontent. You know, getting in the habit of comparing yourself with others will put you in a state of constant discontent. It's not healthy for you. You know, the other thing is that you might be comparing their strength to your weaknesses. Which is a game you're going to lose. You have to learn to appreciate where God has you. And what God is doing in your life today. You're going to be a very miserable person if you're constantly comparing yourself to others. Listen, find your lane, run in it, uh, and stay in it. Because if you're constantly comparing yourself to others, then God's never going to be enough. Church is never going to be enough. The, third re- uh, the second reason that this uh, Levi took a better offer was because of idolatry. You know, idolatry is a better offer to some people, right? Because you can still look religious on the outside, but be given your heart to something else. Verse 5, the man Micah had a shrine and made an ephod and household idols. And he consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. He mixed God with idols, basically. You know, the worship of someone or something other than God, uh, as though it were God, is the definition of idolatry. And in this case, Micah and the Levite, they both worship the same idol. They worship the idol of self. And most people are like Micah when it comes to serving God. They love to mix God with idolatry. You'll find this as you go to other countries. We were missionaries in Bolivia and they served the earth God there inside the Catholic church. And this is what Micah had done. He mixed idols with God. The thing with idolatry, like I said, is that you can still look religious on the outside and look like you're still doing God's will. But on the inside, you're worshiping something else. We have Micah who wanted to have a little chapel. He wanted to have a priest. He wanted to have prayer. He wanted to have devotion because he believed this would benefit him. He said, I know this will bring me favor. This is selfishness at its best. Then we have the Levite who falls right in with it because he wants a place. He wants 10 shekels and a shirt, uh, and he wants food. He wants provision. Um, He wants to be making what everybody else is making. uh, And so in order to give Micah what he wants and to get what he wants, 
they both have to sell out to God. And he sells out for 10 shekels. They both worship the idol of self. Self says life is about me. It's about my happiness. It's about my comfort. And it's about what I want. Selfish people always use the words I and me. Now, once I'm done building my savings account, then I'm going to get sent out. Let me put me first. Self doesn't say more of Christ and less of me. Self says less of Christ and more of me. Self takes you further and further away from your commitments to the cross. Number three is people love taking the easy road. You see a pattern in this Levite's life. He's constantly taking an easy road. Someone said that men's hearts are crooked like rivers. They take the path of least resistance. Did you know that people have been trying to figure out for centuries how to serve God and the world at the same time? Like, how can I have what everybody else has that's not called to preach and still do the will of God? The answer is simple. You can't. The problem with living like that, right, is that you get too big and your church can't even afford to bring you on full time. No one's going to be able to afford your new car payments and your house payments. How can I serve the world and still look religious? Right? You run 50, 60, 70 people. It's a good mark to go full time. And you're telling God, I need more. We need more. Because with these people, I can't afford to go. I mean, I would do it, God. Well, you can't keep all your idols and go full time. Jesus said no one can have two masters. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. One of the biggest problems that I'm seeing in my own church is that the people that God built that church on are now incredibly blessed. And it's taken them decades. The problem now is that they're encouraging men and women that are called to preach to live their lifestyles. They're making it easy for them. Connecting them with people so that they can make a lot of money. And we have a church full of people that at one time were sure about their calling. Now they're driving a 2023. Be careful if you cause someone to stumble. Even if they're related. Make it easy for them. So that they can give up the will of God. See the question this morning. This, this Levi sold out for 10 shekels. But the, what are you willing to sell out God for? An extra night of work, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a career, a degree. What's your price? See, and here's the thing is that there's always going to be something or someone offering you an easier way trying to get you to compromise. Try to get you to compromise prayer. One of the first things people give up. 
get you to compromise the way you dress, the way you serve, the way you give. There's always going to be people who don't want to pay the price that you are paying, and so they're going to compromise or try to get you to compromise. Mark, mark my words, this area in your life will be challenged. You know, when it comes to my personal standards and my personal convictions and how I serve God, my answer is always the same. It's not for sale. I don't care what other churches are doing. I don't care what my friends are doing. My standards, my convictions are not for sale. My kids would always say, you're the only one that lives like this in the whole fellowship. No, no one else lives like you, Dad. <laughs> well, listen, that's a compliment to me. Thank God I'm not a Levite who sold out his calling. I get tired of hearing people saying, well, over there, they, you know, we saw on live stream. And that might be okay for them. I'm not saying it's wrong. But I'm not apologizing either for the way I live. Somehow now this is wrong. Let's close with not for sale. Now, unfortunately, we can't use anyone in our text as a good example, right? So I'm going to use the best example of all, which is Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the son of man will come in the glory of his father with the angels, uh, and then he will reward each according to his works. You know, Jesus was able to say this because he lived it. Not just because he was the son of God. He lived it. You will only inspire and challenge people with the things that you have lived. You can't challenge people to prayer if you are not a man or a woman of prayer. You can't challenge people to give if you're not a liberal person. You cannot challenge people to be radical if you're not radical. You can only challenge people to do what you have done. You think about Jesus and the beginning of his ministry. The devil tempted him and offered him a shortcut, but he refused to take it. The devil tempted him with money and power and position. The devil said, all you have to do is worship me. And in Matthew 4.10, Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. See, but he didn't only do that in the, in the beginning of his ministry. He did it at the end. When that cup came by and he could have turned the cross away, he's still the same Jesus, the same response. My calling is not for sale. Listen, when he had the weight of the world and the sins of humanity on his shoulders, Jesus Christ said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. This is the same 
for Billy Graham. Billy Graham did the exact same thing. The opening illustration that I used was in the beginning of his ministry. Towards the end, listen, in 1952, Texas billionaire H.L. Hunt offered Billy Graham $6 million if he would run for president of the United States. Billy Graham turned down the offer and said these words, God called me to preach and I do not intend to do anything else uh, for as long as I live. Amen. Is your calling for sale? That's all I've got. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.